Audrey, and the song is Tired of Talking. Uh, eight minutes past two o'clock, you're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, I'd love to welcome back on the program Andrew Dembina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Noreen. How are you? Yeah, and I hope you. that you're not uh, too tired of talking. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't choose that <laughs> song for a particular reason, just after our chat, funnily enough. Exactly. That's, uh, must have been a yeah. coincidence. Um, yeah. And yeah. you sound a bit loud with, in your mic. I was... Okay, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take it away. I'm, I'm on a... I'm on a uh, headphone, speakerphone. Is that I, a bit better? I, I thought so. I, I, th- I thought you might be. I, I can tell with my ears. <laughs> right. Any good or, or, or not really? Or shall I lose the headphones? No, no, it's, it's, it's actually fine. Yeah, this, this is good. Um, I'll tell you the reason okay. why is because um, it, there's a bit of, um, I, I don't know. It's, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, because just now we were having phone problems. So I'm really glad I got yeah. to, to get you on through the WhatsApp call. Anyway, enough of me blabbing. Yeah. On with this week's food chat. I'm well hungry. Okay. Have you got some global and, and local news for us today? I've got some. Uh, I've got some overseas news oh, nice. for us to nibble on today. Nice. I think I do end up with uh, something with a local connection, possibly if we have time. But um, starting off with the U.S. as restaurants are resuming their full diner capacity, uh, it means that uh, that workers are able to shop around for the best terms of employment. This, this continues to be the case. There's such a lack continuing in the US of uh, those who are working in restaurants that um, there has been some calls now for raising the minimum wage for those in different areas of front of house and back of house um, and also for new unions and cooperatives to form between waiting staff or service staff, as they call it over there, and also kitchen staff to make separate unions. They're really, they've really tipped the balance of having the upper hand big time now. This was on the cards when restaurants started reopening across the USA, but now there are lots of groups forming to ask all of their members to ask for the same things, such as when kitchen or restaurant staff are joining uh, will they all be having a share in tips that are such a big part of the uh, of the system of dining out in America? People do give more generous tips in America, it's a fact, than in many in, other in places Europe, in the world. Well, yeah, because I think they yeah. don't make the, the, the wait staff don't make a lot as their base salaries, so they rely a lot no. on the tips. They do, and you know what? I don't know if you've ever been to some of the American-style restaurants in Hong Kong, but some of them do try to kind of turn on the American hospitality that you would generally get over there in restaurants. And I wonder if it makes a difference to the tips in Hong Kong. I don't know the answer to this question. I'll put it out there. Perhaps a listener might have an opinion on this uh, and could let you know. But what do you think, Noreen? Like, if you go to a restaurant and you get better service in Hong Kong, whether it's an American style one or not, are you more likely to give a better tip? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, maybe yeah. not just American style, but I, I just think... No, exactly. Any, yeah, any any style, because, I'll definitely tip a bit yeah. more. Yeah. 
What puts me off is when there are one or two American-style restaurants here that are so different from what we're used to because of the explanation, introducing themselves. I'm not going to mention any names of restaurants, but that whole concept, which is not very common to say the least in Hong Kong, of a server starting off their conversation with you by introducing themselves, my name is. It's kind of nice in a way, but... It's not always something that people want. It's like walking into a shop where the second you take a step in <laughs> and there's someone trying to help you or ask you, if they, how can I help you, sir, or madam, That's that sort so of thing. Funny. It's a bit Anders, like that. Anders, you're so British. <laughs> it's like, don't talk to, <laughs> don't, don't talk yeah, to me well, while, yeah, don't talk to me while I'm dying. Yeah, yeah don't put... <laughs> Don't put me off my meal. Um, it's, but, 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 but I know there's what you mean. It's not a very Chinese thing either. Like if you go to a dim sum no. restaurant or a tatan tang, you know they don't have yeah. time to make that kind of small talk with you. No, no. In the days in the days before everyone wore masks for the last two years, you would actually maybe get someone just literally standing there and giving you a dirty look, yeah. waiting for your 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 order. Like, what are you doing, wasting my time? Tell me your order already. You know, it's kind of that sort of, that sort of thing, isn't it? But um. I think with, um, with the, 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 just before I carry on, the, the worst or most grating service I've had in one restaurant in Hong Kong is where immaculate produce arrives and it's wheeled around on a double, on a kind of two-tiered trolley to your table and the service staff take you through every item on that trolley. Uh, there is a live lobster and there's also a number of other vegetables, like really prime premium quality Idaho potatoes and all these different ones and you get the run through. Now I've been to the restaurant about two or three times. I don't want to hear that same patter on my second or third time but it's kind of rude not to to give them the uh, the chance of keenly explaining everything but they rattle through it at full speed. It's something they've memorised like a script and it really is something that um, maybe it doesn't fit in with the normal <laughs> busy Hog Kong lifestyle. We know, what, we know what's on your trolley mate. Uh, this is my order. That's kind of, I think, the way it should be. Anyway, the uh, why am I talking about that? Going off uh, ranting about uh, service in restaurants because uh, American serving staff and kitchen staff are raising their profile and their voice in getting paid reasonably and, and getting paid reasonably for the basic salary. As you said before, Noreen, a lot of the basic salary for... Uh, restaurant and bar staff in America is minimal and it needs to be uh, lifted, they say. So uh, although one other time where we did talk about that about a month or so ago, uh, we did do a quick comparison and there was a manager of a bar uh, who said that the average wage was around between 13 and 15 US dollars, which is still a lot higher than the basic wages would be here i reckon and they get tips on top but there you go different places different pays so the, the, the other union objectives of getting is to ask what are the available healthcare benefits for front and back of house what does your restaurant do to demonstrate it cares about the well-being of its staff what promotional opportunities and educational opportunities are there while i work here uh, am i supposed to learn the menu and is this built into my normal working time? And this is a question that's asked because, you know, there are some employers that will just 
get you running around straight away and then maybe give you a photocopy or ask you to look online if they have an online menu and take your own time to do it. So it's getting a more reasonable set of um, working criteria, tasks that are done. Anyway, so in bars, the questions might include for wine and spirits professionals, do you schedule tastings for us to learn the difference between certain wines and spirits? Uh, or do you bring in spirit or wine ambassadors to teach and explain the spirits? These are all super reasonable questions, aren't they? And they're the sort of things which would be really valuable in other areas of work, basically. Welfare of the employees and giving them training opportunities and opportunities for promotion. So this is all happening right now. And it means that for employers of people working in the kitchen or serving are finding that they are having to up their price, which, uh, as I did mention... I'm afraid we lost you there, Andrew. Andrew? Andrew Dambina from joining us from an outlying island. Okay, maybe we'll have to uh, get back to uh, finding Andrew Dembina uh, on this Tuesday afternoon. Hopefully we can be reconnected uh, with Andrew. Is and work here, Noreen? Yes, we got you back. Um, we lost you for a couple of seconds. It was just reconnecting. Oh, no. I was actually, I was, I was, I was just, just uh, talking away there. I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what you, what you missed. Basically, though, we were talking about the uh, renegotiation of terms mm -hmm. for kitchen and front of house staff. And I just, just, I just finished by asking you whether you thought anything would ever be likely to be like that here. Could the serving and kitchen staff of the more modestly priced restaurants, not talking about the high-end fine dining and hotel-type restaurants, or even those in uh, certain parts of, uh, let's say, central or other places where prices are a lot higher, and I would hope that waiting staff and kitchen staff are paid accordingly. But do we ever think that that sort of thing could happen here? Would, would there ever be a scarcity of uh, uh, of restaurant staff in Hong Kong? Yeah, you know, uh, just uh, the, the trouble with that is, and yeah, I really hope they they should because minimum wage is just peanuts here in Hong Kong. You know, thirty five dollars really an is. hour, and some of these dishwashers are earning something like twelve thousand dollars, thirteen thousand dollars, and it's really hard work. You know, being on your feet the whole day, just sort of uh, cleaning and, and 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 stuff. The trouble in Hong Kong is that the mm. rent the rent is so high. So a lot of the times, whatever the restaurant makes. A lot of it goes towards the rent, and I think um, so. It's it's really yeah. Of course, they should be paid uh, a, a fair fair wage. And then you heard mm. during COVID as well that some restaurants also went bust because because the landlord many. yeah many because we we hear horror stories of landlords not willing to you know budge. They'd rather no one yeah. rent the space than to have a, a potential drop in in their rent, which is just seems it seems. It seems unthinkable, really, doesn't it? Yeah. But, um, but yes, it is the case. I don't know. So, we're, moving... we're not landlords. We, we don't know that mentality. Maybe when I become a rich landlord, I'll let you know. Yeah, you, you'll <laughs> let me know if the space for the Dembina Cafe becomes available, Noreen. I look, I look, <laughs> I look forward to receiving that email. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, so moving on to another topic. There was a very interesting South China Morning Post story about two weeks ago, just under two weeks ago, a couple of Saturdays ago, 
about Australian lobsters being smuggled to mainland China through Hong Kong following uh, an unofficial Chinese ban. Don't know if you caught this. I didn't see it reported elsewhere. No, I didn't. I knew about the Australian wine being slapped with a massive Mm. tariff, but not the lobsters. Well, okay. As you mentioned that, I'll mention this now. Beef and wine are areas that China banned uh, in the months after Australia voiced concern that a full investigation into the origins of COVID-19 had not been completed in Wuhan. So after that, certain trade bans that included um, foodstuffs and drinkstuffs uh, came into effect, yes. And we've mentioned wine on this program before and probably touched on the beef aspect too. But the Australian lobster is an unofficial one in the sense that it's not one of the items listed as officially banned from uh, importing from Australia. However, it is going on and um, it's been quietly banned. So hmm. the, a month-long investigation by the South China Morning Post revealed how the once uh, wiped out smuggling of Australian rock lobsters has roared back recently. Uh, it, it was once wiped out because years ago, about a decade or more ago, there was a lot of... Uh, this, this was already happening. It's Western Australian rock lobster from Western Australia state, Perth being the capital of that. This is very, very desirable and loved type of lobster, which has a very bright red shell and spiny antennae and spiny parts of the shell that make it quite distinctive to look at. Uh, And it has a very prized uh, taste and uh, texture uh, in the world, but, but but it's particularly loved in mainland China. And the, uh, the, the, the lobsters were part of a ban of all kinds of uh, foodstuffs from Australia. Not a ban, actually, but there were very, that's wrong, there were, there were very high tariffs, very high taxes on importing uh, the rock lobster and other produce from Australia until about 10 to 15 years ago, which meant that people would circumvent that, uh, that high tariff or tax and import it from Hong Kong, which was not strictly allowed. Um, so it was it was uh, because it was bypassing what should have been a direct tax from Australia to China. Mm-hmm. So that that was all that that all kind of uh, disappeared some years ago, where there was a good, happy trade agreement between Australia and China on all kinds of uh, reciprocal. Uh, products backwards and forwards um, that happened in um, I think it was about 2010 or thereabouts so when those tariffs all dropped then direct import was happening of rock lobsters again and that's what got the taste for it for about the last decade or so on Chinese palates and uh, and it's something that appears a lot at wedding banquets it's one of the main dishes to have a lobster dish on a table and it's enjoyed by uh, by people and so they've been missing it it's also quite uh, for those who can afford it it's also something that's enjoyed during chinese new year a lot in china as well yeah so, do you remember the classic um cheesy noodles lobster in hong kong oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah it, it, that was always really special because i used to think that was like mm. really western food but uh, exactly same but here it, but it's actually not it's actually very quintessentially hong kong isn't it just sort of some it, some is it yi mean yeah. it's just some that, that yes. type of 
that type yeah, of uh, flat in. noodles. Yeah, you mean yeah. mixed with some yeah. cheese sauce. <laughs> Yeah, it's, in case emin aren't oily enough within the ways that they're normally cooked, which is usually with... With mushroom uh, and oil and... Mu- mushrooms or, or meat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah the, the ones with mushroom are deceptive, aren't they? If you think, oh, I'll have a vegetarian dish with emin, emin and mushroom is a classic, yeah. but it's so oily, isn't it? It's they so just oily. soak up... They're, they're, they're really spongy, they really soak up a lot of oil that are used. But, um, yeah, so in, uh, in late May, SCMP reporters got the intelligence from customs uh, in the north, northern borders of Hong Kong, Lao Fao Shan, in the city's northwest, that uh, four men loading ice-cold styrofoam boxes had been on speedboats trying to make off with a whole load of, uh, of this Western Australian lobster. And one boat got caught. And that one boat that got caught, the customs officers seized half a ton uh, of, of lobster. Of, and the lobster is considered live. It's chilled, it's on ice, and like a lot of uh, crustacean seafood, they are still actually alive, but they're kind of almost hibernating. Sounds, you know, the more you explain it, the more it, it, it kind <laughs> of makes you want to be, become vegetarian if you're not already. Yeah. But, but, it's, uh, but, it's, but basically they're in a sort of state of being just about alive so that when they get to wherever they're going, which sometimes will be Hong Kong or, you know, if they're going onwards then to mainland China, they can be woken up or refreshed with, uh, with seawater in tanks before being shown to be live lobster and therefore commanding much higher prices when they are served to customers in restaurants. So the, the, uh, the boat load that was caught, uh, another boat got away, but uh, it, was, it was deduced by the customs officers that these were, of course, bound for mainland China just across the, uh, the water. Uh, across Deep Bay, which uh, and into Guangdong waters. So the South China Morning Post reveals that an increasing number of grey channels, as they're called, being used to smuggle Australian lobsters from Hong Kong to mainland China, uh, have been acknowledged by a multiple amount of trade sources who would only speak on the condition of being anonymous. Of course, um, a Hong Kong seafood trader said most smuggled lobsters from Hong Kong to Australia, uh, sorry, from Hong Kong to mainland are from Australia, and mainland consumers are so used to rock lobster's taste from there that the demand is still huge, even though direct imports have been banned. So traders all know about this, even though it hasn't been directly put in writing that the, 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 the rock lobsters are banned. Um, but um, the Hong Kong authorities, however, would not reveal the origin of the uh, 569 kilograms, just over half a metric ton of lobsters um, to the South China Morning Post. They were valued at 150,000 Hong Kong dollars in terms of uh, trading, seafood trading, of course, when they're served, uh, particularly if they aren't supposed to be served in places, they're going to be getting a lot more than that in return. So um, it, the ban was said to have happened about eight months ago when the supply was cut as uh, China officially banned other uh, aspects of uh, food and drink, as we mentioned, from Australia. Bali um, as well, I in think. 2019, before this ban, yeah, in 2019, more than 90%, 90% of Australian rock lobsters were exported to China. So that tells you wow. there's a huge demand. That's 2019, you know, before the 
uh, unofficial ban kicked in in uh, 2020. And that was a market, 90% of Australian rock, rock lobsters worth 750 million Aussie dollars, or in our Hong Kong Ds, that is 4.4 billion dollars. That's trade price, 4.4 billion dollars per year. Uh, up till 2019. That's according to the Australian Agriculture Department. So this is uh, quite quite an interesting yeah. uh, story, really. I, I'm, I'm aware of the time, Noreen, so I, w- I won't go into further detail with that, although there's plenty of further detail. Uh, one interesting point, though, just to finish on, on that one, frozen Australian lobsters are still totally allowed legally and everything. They're still available. You can buy frozen lobsters, but, those, but the chilled ones, you can't. So that's a kind of weird little situation. Loophole. Anyway, little um, I will quickly. We've got yeah, yeah. One, one minute. Yeah, left. I'll get in. I'll, one minute, okay. Quickly, food-minded people around the world have been asking: Is Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, among other uh, companies, Tesla Electric Cars, planning to launch a Tesla restaurant group? concept. Uh, They've filed some new trademarks, that's Tesla has, to be used as branding under restaurant services, which kind of hints that he must have plans to do so. And it wouldn't be the first time that Tesla has looked at opening cafes. They've done that in some shopping plazas in America. But uh, Musk himself, in a tweet in April, did say that in a new Um, shopping area in Santa Monica, he hopes to have a 1950s-style American diner showing movie clips, playing movie clips from the 1950s. So, just a little bit of gossip on a very famous person attached to a potential restaurant group happening. If that did happen, I bet that would do quite well here, I should imagine. Famous man all over the place, isn't he? Well, exactly. And Hong Kong is sort of the place that the home of Teslas, if you like, everywhere you look, everyone's driving a Tesla. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, you can't. Would I say too many? Yeah, exactly. Would I say too many? Not not the ones that cut in front of me, but I won't mention who. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. You don't hear them coming, but you see them. Exactly. Well, Andrew Dembina, it's lovely to to catch up with you and and, and to chat. And thank you so much for your sharing for this week's uh, Tuesday report. And I look forward to more chats with you you later this week. Thank you very much indeed.